Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. edition of the last word on Spurs we want to simply say that we are deeply saddened to hear of the passing of Tottenham Hotspur club legend Martin Peters. Martin played 189 games for us which saw him score 46 goals and in his time at the club he won one UEFA Cup and two League Cups. Our thoughts and condolences are with all of Martin's family and friends and it's just a really sad time for the football club at the moment which has also seen on the back of that also follow a really, really dark day for Tottenham Hotspur. That defeat to Chelsea, the manner of the performance and also events off the field, including that alleged racial incident which occurred with Rudiger. We'll be discussing all of that on this last word on Spurs and also previewing Brighton to come. I'm delighted to have back on this show with me Jason McGovern and Richard Cracknell as we review a really, really dark day in Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And look ahead, as mentioned, to Brighton to come on Boxing Day. Delighted to have back on this show with me, Jason McGovern. And also twice in a week, I am humbled and honoured. I've got crackers with me. Jace, to start with you, let's discuss that game if we can, if we want to try and get into it. Because 
The irony is Slade's Merry Christmas is ringing out at full time, but it does feel entirely inappropriate. A dismal afternoon for Tottenham. A dismal game you'd say for English football after three Raiders and warnings in the second half. But it can't also be forgotten by how appalling we was throughout that game against Chelsea. What did you make of it? Well, I, I just asked a question on Twitter. Do people want me to be honest or or do they want me to, uh, And which means having to be negative or or not. And fortunately, everyone said, be honest about it. Because let's be, let's be fair, it was a shambles. It was a shambles on the pitch. It was a shambles in the technical area. It was a shambles off the pitch. And it was a shambles playing Merry Christmas like that. The, the whole thing, it was a shambolic performance from start to the end. And to see people clapping Sonny off and defending Sonny, ridiculous. It's his third red card in seven months. You know, Serge Aurier has been sent off twice in two and a half years, and we, we think of him as a liability and a hothead. So, you know, something's got to be done. But and, and but let's be fair, you know, Mourinho defending the sending off. The sending off comes when the game's 2-0, and we hadn't had a shot in the first 65 minutes anyway. You know, they were they were better than us. They won every single individual battle. Tammy Abraham did to us what we'd have hoped that Harry Kane would do to them. Harry again is... You know, you have to question, does he really look the captain on pitch? So it was a, a woeful performance from start to finish. And probably Davison Sanchez defending is the only one that would come out with any, you know, without too much blame to him. But Davison Sanchez's use of the ball means you, you certainly couldn't praise his performance. But it was it was summed up by the, the Gazaniga moment that I don't think any of us will ever be able to understand what the what the hell he was doing because it was a, you just catch the ball. It wasn't a wasn't a, didn't need to use his feet, wasn't put under any pressure. It was a simple catch and he he did that. And it, you know, he was lucky not to get a red card himself for, for doing it. So, you know, I don't know I don't know what positives you can take from today whatsoever. Yeah, agree with that one. And Crackers, just to bring you in, I mean, for me, it does not matter who manages this group of players, but if players have such a weak mentality and continue to make the individual errors and the brainless decision-making by this group of players on a game-by-game basis, surely it will be merely impossible for Jose Mourinho to have any kind of success at the football club. Agreed. It was just utterly, utterly brainless today. It was... Uh, you know, I've been going Spurs since 76, so 40 odd years now, 43 years. And uh, that that was just up there with one of the most brainless, gutless performances I've, I've ever seen, to be honest. I'll take getting beat all day long in a good game where we've given our all. In fact, one of my favourite ever Spurs games was Sunderland away uh, five or six years ago when uh, Darren Bent scored a penalty at the very start of the game for, for Sunderland and Gomez in goal. That, well, we lost 3-2. Brilliant, brilliant game. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Didn't like getting beat. But that's the level of understanding I have like in my heart for, for a game of football. I'll take it all day long, getting beat. What I won't take is that today. That was absolutely unacceptable. It was it was a, a brainless tactically. Every player was brainless. There was brainlessness in the stands. It was just, it was an absolute horror show. Horror show all round. And as Jason said, it was only really Davinson Sanchez who looked like he was caring and, and try and but even he was making these the errors and this you know the centre midfield partnership 
Dyer and Winks, Dyer and Sissoko, it's just not working. But who else has he got to work with? And, you know, so, so then you start to look upstairs at the club and you're thinking to yourself, why has there not been this ongoing investment? Why did we have that window with no purchases at all? And it's, it seems to be almost getting to a point now where there's so much work to be done with bringing players in. And, you know, I know we've got Ndombele to get fit and Lo just doesn't seem to be fancied at all. But we could be looking at six, seven players coming in. And that just doesn't work. You can't bring six or seven players in. Arsenal are seeing this now where they've had players getting to the ends of contracts and not being replaced and players coming in and bedding down. And um, it, it just it looks it looks ominous at the moment that so many players just need an upgrade and refresh or somebody up behind them pushing them for their place. But it's a, it's a real worry. I mean, I think like the Burnley game papered over the, the cracks and we've now seen uh, Mourinho beaten by uh, Solskjaer, um, should have been beaten by Wolves. If it was a boxing match, they'd have won that on points. Um, you know, thankfully, Jan popped up and scored that marvellous header. And now today. So, you know, for me, the club, I, I loved Pochettino. I, I loved his energy. I loved what the philosophy he had for the club. And for me, he got a lot of forgiveness for that because he cared. He seemed to be almost one of us. He wasn't this heartless, like destroyer of a manager, not Mourinho. He just seems cold and calculating. And but I got why they brought him in because it was finished with Pochettino. It has had he gone, been so far though, Rich? Just, just to bring you up on that point, though, Rich, has he been so far cold and calculating? I found him to be quite warm at this moment in time. And don't get me wrong. Listen, we're going to come on to it. He has failed so far. His two biggest tests in time at Tottenham. In yes. terms of Man United and Chelsea. You can't get away from that. The performance has been nowhere near good enough. But back to your point of just being cold and calculative. Has he been that so far during his reign at Spurs? Or is he keeping this under cover at the moment? Mm, I, I, think, I think he's been working some good PR. Uh, Self-PR. And coming across as a little bit more warm and cuddly, but generally, you would say, given his track record, he is this very cold, calculating uh, character who does bring success to clubs, but also brings that dark side to him as well. He's a real Jekyll and Hyde with him, and we're seeing a lot of uh, Jekyll with the, or Hyde, whichever one the, the good guy is in that. Um, so we, we are seeing that, but you know, they they brought him in, and for me, okay, bring him in, no problem, that's fine. Uh, it a, it's a good decision as such because of Pochettino going. You need somebody very, very good to steady the ship. But that also comes with no leeway with me, no forgiveness whatsoever. So if you're going to be at the club, fine, but you are going to get no leeway from me. And so far, you know... Sorry, he's just, uh, he's getting nothing out of me at the moment. I've not seen anything. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I can see what he's done now. I can see he's shored up this problem. I can see where he's done this, where Pochettino wasn't. For me, you know, it's no different today. In fact, probably I can't, I'm struggling to think of a worse 
um, performance under Pochettino. I'd probably, if I went away and thought about it, there was a couple of cup games and that where I think to myself, yeah, yeah, that that was poor. But that was up there amongst like some of the, the, the poorest of Pochettino's tactical uh, displays that, that we that we saw under him. So. Uh, no, complete, complete horror show today. Jace, let's bring you into it because let's be honest about it. It was the worst performance of Mourinho's era by some way. Son now gets Christmas off. We didn't turn up for Man United. And now this game from Jose Mourinho, he suffered his first ever home defeat against a team he had previously managed, having gone unbeaten in the previous 13 across all competitions. 12 wins, one draw. He said after the game, they were better than us in the first half. It's not difficult for me to admit. They played in a system they are very comfortable with. How concerned, Jace, are you then? Because I know you've never been Jose Mourinho's biggest fan, but to put it into context so far of his start, let's be honest, before this game, Spurs were just three points off the top four. You have to put that into account for me. You know, To get us into that position where we was, I think was great, considering where he was, where he was coming into the club. There was a lot wrong. You know, He's got it to some degree back on track, but it's a, it's a, it's a really, really devastating defeat. So the manner of it, tell us how you are feeling about Jose Mourinho at the moment. You, you know my views, my views on him. I've always, my concern is always going to be the style of football. But I said on Love Sport, for me, to a degree, he has a free pass because he can't pick the sides that he wants to, to pick at the moment. And, you know, today's performance, if that was under Pochettino, would be called tactically clueless. And that, that was a phrase constantly thrown at him. And, and I used to defend Poch sometimes and say, no matter how good your tactics can be, if you have players making such basic, basic mistakes, you will get found out. And unfortunately, the better teams, and they're not a great Man United side, and they're not a great Chelsea side, but they still have players that are good enough to punish your errors that Burnley don't have, and that Bournemouth don't have, and that West Ham don't have. And so, you know, they quickly sussed out, didn't they, when we go to Old Trafford. Orias weak in that right-back slot, just keep going down that side, we make the errors. Gazaniga makes an error, gets beat on his near post. We play Burnley and it looks fantastic. And you, you said last week, what an elite, you know, was calling it elite. And I said to you then, be a little bit careful. Just be careful Burnley. Jason, I wasn't calling the performance elite. I was saying we've got an elite manager. And right. I did well, truly believe that under him. I still believe it now. You know, we are going to achieve success. We are going to win trophies. But I think a lot of it depends well, well, on the group I of think, players he's managing. And these players well, are not good that, enough. We're seeing that, that week in, week out, the basic individual errors we're making, Jace. That's that's what I mean by a free pass, because he doesn't have the side he wants. And you look at that and think, there's no way he wants a right-back playing 70 yards from his own goal, because he, he can't be trusted. And there's no way Mourinho would have said to Ori at the start of the game, go asleep at a corner. Lucas Moura, you know, not enough for me was, was, was spoken about of... His error at the corner. It's you know they took a short corner, not to two people standing three yards away. Lucas Moore has got to be aware and think. Just get yourself between the ball and the man who's receiving it, so that that passing angle is cut off. But he's asleep, and Oria's not concentrating. So the pair of them. There's no way Mourinho tells people to defend like that. There's no way he tells Gazaniga to do some of those things. There's no way he tells Kane not to move around up front. So, you know, it looks tactically clueless like it did under Pochettino, but so many of those players are simply not doing the basics. And no matter what your tactical plan, you cannot escape those problems. And it's going to be those problems when when you've said, I've, I've talked to Evan I recently, I've said there are so many flaws 
that are coming through in this side. And no matter what you do, you can't cover up for those flaws and the better teams will punish you. And William, he's got that quality to cut inside and bend it in the corner, hasn't he? Which probably Ashley Barnes or, or Chris Wood or, or, you know, players like that haven't got that quality. But the better sides will punish us. And that's that's the sad thing. And so, you know, we'll, we'll play the next three games and they all look winnable games. Brighton, Southampton, what's the other one? Norwich. And you think, right, we'll just about get on the verge and then it's Liverpool and they will expose those same flaws and they'll probably come and do the same to us. And that's the problem that he's up against. So I don't blame him for it completely at the moment. But let's be fair, the, the system Chelsea picked, OK, we don't expect them to play that way today, but it's not exactly a new system, is it? It's not something that's that's never been done in the Premier League. It's it's a system that probably most teams have played on and off for the past three or four seasons. We've played it ourselves. So, you know, we know what a back three with the ball and a, a back five without the ball is. So, and we have to find those answers to it. But today it was so poor. And it, you know, when, when we ended up with Lucas Moura at left back, I'm thinking, hold on, Potts got ripped for playing Sonny at left-back against Chelsea. And we've ended up almost in the same position with that. And you're thinking, where was Ryan Sessignon on the bench? Couldn't, you know, <laughs> there's a player we've bought. He could have gone and played as a left wing-back for us or played at left-back in a, when you're 2-0 down. But he's not even on the bench. So, you know, Danny Rose is out there apparently for 20 minutes after the game, just standing on the pitch. What? Why is he even in the stadium? Why? So, you know, I don't blame Mourinho for the whole mess at the moment. And I called it a mess the other night on Love Sport. But there are so many basic flaws with this team. It's, it's, it's really alarming to see what the hell has happened. We're going to take a flavour of some listener questions. We've got Brock at Stunning Spurs. He says, Mourinho's fouled his two big test miserably so far. Players were an absolute disgrace. A select few racist fans should never be allowed into football ever again. Chelsea deserve winners. An awful day to be a Spurs supporter. Lots of work to do. I'm sure we agree on that. Savage Gates says, when will Spurs win a match they're expected to win against a big side? When was the last time we won against a big six side? Question mark. Matt Gibbons, we deservedly lost as simple as that. Outplayed, outfall and a lack of quality in certain areas. Silly mistakes again. Put us on the back foot. And Jay Reed says, why are Spurs so spineless in these sort of games? It is concerning, those questions. We are going to try and get into the answers to some of those because we have to discuss Chelsea's opening goal. Crackers, for that opening goal, you know, there was always that element before that we saw Aurea give away a cheap corner that in reality didn't really need to be given away. And what was the irony about that is we saw Mourinho walk to the touchline minutes before and gestured to Sergio here to curb his usual attacking instincts and stay put. And then suddenly Spurs switch off from a corner. William lashes a cold drive into the corner after exchanging passes with Kovacic. I mean, how frustrating was that again? You know, the opening goal, we just never seemed to switch on in 20 minutes. We just wasn't there, was we? We started slow, started so poorly. And to be fair to the fans, they really were making an atmosphere inside that stadium in that opening half an hour. It's football. My uh, two lads both play uh, and their managers will absolutely tear them new ones if they switch off like that. That is, that's, that's the level of error and basic knowledge that was just lacking for that goal. It's, and that's, that's what I find really infuriating. If William had picked the ball up, shown a couple of bits of skill, 
dropped, lost his man, dropped his shoulder, curled it in. You go, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, he's, he's got a bit of a worldie there. But honestly, it was like, you know, serve, serve the pig up and put the apple in its mouth. Why don't you? You know, it was just like, it's just brainless. It was a brainless corner to give away. So why is he not giving giving a shout there? He's just he's just put it out. So he's not been given a shout by anybody in the rest of the team. He's always panicked and just knocked it out. Why I don't know. And then as you say, from from now, like a disease that becomes a pandemic, it just seems to spread through the team. He's done that. Aurier's done that. Put it out for the corner. And he, he, he said swimming from it. He, he's realised he's made a mistake. So why is he not going, OK, right, switch off. I've done that. Finish. Get get your head back in the game. He's all over the place. And then the short corner comes. And like Jason said, you know, he's just not switched on. Stop the short corner happening. It's, oh, it's just brainless. And that is the most infuriating thing that to, to, where it's so, so avoidable. And, and, and we do that. It's oh, I'm so angry, like reliving it now. I'm struggling to find find the words for it. You know, it's just schoolboy. It's, it's not even schoolboy because schoolboys get a telling off at half time for something like that. And you won't see them do it again. And if they do, then you say to yourself, oh, OK, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, it does happen. These 25, 26, 27 year old professional footballers and they're not and they're doing that. Come on. It's like, where, where's your head at? Where is your head at? Why are you not switched on? And where, where does that come from? That switching on that, that being ready, being prepared being if you make a mistake put it behind you that seems to be the thing that really gets us in every one of these games is when we make a mistake it's we've got no if we were boxers to use a boxing analogy again we've got no chin if we if we get a if we get a clump on the chin our head's swimming we cannot take a punch just cannot take one because once we make a mistake it's like, oh my god, and we just cannot, we we just cannot come back from it. We just seems to be all over the place for a few minutes, and that's where we need to really, really get some work done. Um, that obviously comes from the dressing room, from Mourinho, from speaking to these players, and keep drumming it into them. You know, if you make a small mistake that leads to a corner, done. That's it. Switch back on. Get it back in the game. Go again. It's gone. It's finished. No point worrying about it. And we just that's that seems to be our problem. Is is just this glass chin we've got that one mistake just seems, leads to an absolute like shit show. To, to, it's getting that that's that's where it, it seems to be. Jace, you know, let's get away from it. Aurea largely at fault twice there. First, he considered the needless corner with a flicked header after getting it caught on the ball. Then he allowed William the time and the space to run in front of him and cut onto his right foot and score. It was a some finish, it has to be said. But defensively, Jace, we're just all over the place. Why are we not organised? It's a worry because he's he's talked about not having time to work with the players. And then he said in his press conference, it's been, you know, finally he's had a week to work with them. And so <laughs> that's the results of a week. And, you know, we should have been better prepared than, than ever today. And it was just... 
was appalling, wasn't it? From, as we say, from start to finish, just basic errors. And I don't blame him for those basic errors. You know, like I say, the, 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 I mean, can you allow, I mean, we're not surprised that Aurea does that, are we? None of us are surprised. Not at all. No, that so, is Serge Aurea. You know, he's got, you know, to be fair not... to him, what I will say, a lot of slack on the podcast for not giving Aurea some credit at times. I mean, he has had, under Mourinho, some decent performances. But again, this is the problem with Aurea. He has those moments in his game, Jace, where it's his decision-making and just an yeah. utterly brainless moment. Why do it? And, and, and the problem is, you know, when people say you don't give enough credit for good games, but, you know, when he has a good game, it's a bit like the old days with Moose. He has a good game because he doesn't make a mistake. You know, he doesn't necessarily have a good game because he's had a brilliant performance. You just think, oh, at least he hasn't given a penalty away and he's he's made one cross that's gone in, you know, he's got an assist from it. But there's more to having a good game than that. And unfortunately for Serge, with every good game, you think any minute now it comes a ricket. And there's so many rickets in the big games. You know, the Liverpool game was the last one, wasn't it? When he gives away a ridiculous penalty. And it's it's in these games, when you're playing the better sides, that any ricket you make gets ruthlessly punished and it's it's not easy to then come back from because you're playing the better sides and you know in, in the same with Gazaniga it's, gets beat on the near post at Man United concedes once a day but in fairness to him Hugo makes massive mistakes in big games and so we, we constantly shoot ourselves in the foot and we can't be giving the better teams a goal start and a goal here and oh that's alright go and score a second one you, I mean how many times have we conceded this year in the 44th minute we did it at Arsenal, didn't we? In the second game, we've done it again today. It's, it's just, we did it with Bayern Munich conceded right on half time, things like that. And it's been, you know, it's gone from Pochettino's reign and it's come into Mourinho's reign. And the change of manager hasn't stopped those types of things. So you have to look and those players, you know, as I said the other night, there's about seven or eight places there that that are seriously up for grabs. And we have to accept that now. It's The team is falling apart to the standards we want it to be. No, we're not a, a shambles that we're in like Watford are in or something like that. But to, to the expectancy that we now have of being a Champions League side, that side is in serious need of, of a makeover. And, and it's, it's falling apart in front of our eyes. The only concern you might have, Jace, if it can all be rectified in January and probably not. You know, the summer is probably... Oh, it can't be. No, it can't be. The summer's probably a better time to do it. But from one one, one moment of madness to another, and I'm still trying to understand... I've looked, watched this back a couple of times, but Gazaniga, crackers, he tries a clearance, completely misses the ball and absolutely clatters into Alonso. We have the VAR check for a possible Chelsea penalty. You know... There's absolutely no way in my mind that anything else could have been given than a penalty. And I have to ask you, you know, we've had a go at Hugo in the past for moments of madness, charging off his line, poor decision-making. That moment, really, from Gazaniga, it was uncharacteristic. Yes, we've seen rickets during his time. There has been moments where we've seen fumbles. But what makes him do what he did against Chelsea? No, again, another, another brainless moment. But it's like this pandemic through through the team. And it was that whole thing that I've spoke about with this with the with the panic, making a mistake. And it just grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And it just seemed to spread through the team and the the the, the corner that we conceded. And just the whole team today, they just could not get a hold of themselves and somebody out there to go round everybody like a like a Stevie Perriman back from the old days just get round everybody 
there's just nobody on the pitch that's gone round now and like shook players by the by the throat and literally and just gone and then get hold of yourself like get your head back in the game and it just seemed to be another another moment from this panic that run through the team that just leads to the brainless decisions i don't know why we can't stop the rot when that when it starts happening because in these games when it does happen this is this is what seems to always always happen with us under Pochettino now under Mourinho, we we start panicking and we start making mistakes and they just grow and grow and grow and I think it was just a, a symptomatic of the of the whole game. It's just like just another one to add to the list. So why he's not coming to that point and catching it, I don't know because his his decision making's all over the place. Because of the way that the, the the team was, it was all it was a performance today akin to like when we when England played uh, Holland in Euro '96, and we found out that they'd had this great big row in the dressing room beforehand, and they they were all over the place. Or like Brazil in the World Cup final when Ronaldo was made to play, even though he was sick, and be surprised if like in the next couple of days. There's like something goes around, around Twitter and around Facebook saying, oh, my God, did you hear before the game? Like, so-and-so had so-and-so by the throat and there was a great big battle royale in the changing room and he had a row with it. Like, it was almost as if, like, they'd had sort of terrible, shocking news before kickoff for a completely wrong, wrong-footed them. Or, like, you know, they'd just been drinking the Kool-Aid or something and on a on some sort of cult mission. It was just... <laughs> Just bizarre, oh, just absolutely bizarre. But it was, I think, I think his decision now was just part of this general panic that seemed that seemed to happen today. And um, I don't know, I don't know where it's come from. It's just like uh, as Martin Yole once said, just a poxy day at the office <laughs> in a post-match interview. And it really was. It was a shocker, absolute shocker. I, I don't know what he was trying to do. And Anthony Taylor as well, the, the referee. It was Anthony Taylor today, wasn't it? It, it, was, it, was, it was just yeah. like, I mean, he gave a free kick to us. If there was no VAR, it would have been a free kick to us. I mean, what, what day of the week is that ever? A, a free kick. I mean, like, just when I saw it, what are you talking about? I was like, I've, and then I remembered there was VAR. And as soon as and then I thought, oh, well, that's a penalty. Because once it goes back to, like, you know, Stockley Park, that's it. That, that's a penalty all day long. I just don't know what he saw. Um, I don't know. I, you know, did we, did we have the Arsenal chef cooking lasagna as a pre-match meal again today? And, like, just, just weird. I mean, the fact yeah. is an, an, an attempted acrobatic clearance. I mean, I still don't quite know. Having watched it back four, five, six, seven times, what Paolo Gazzaniga was attempting. And to be fair, like I said earlier, I mean, that particular action he did was uncharacteristic for his behaviour because he's always, to some degree... He's not one to charge off his line. He isn't like that, to be fair. He comes and claims crosses. You'd say yeah, he does have that occasional ricket in him. I think that's been very clear. That's always been, I think, our concern of him, whether he could maybe make the step up to be a number one. But in big games, as we've seen, Man United and now Chelsea, You know the glaring areas, it doesn't help us. But to be fair, the team as a whole didn't defend anywhere near good enough. And when you also take into account, you know, 
how late it took. You know, not a shot on target until the 97th minute. We didn't deserve absolutely anything from that game. But we are going to go now for a very quick break. And when we return, there's more to discuss. Hummin Son with another sending off. We've got that to talk about. And we've also got to talk also really, really sadly about the alleged racism that took place at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And we're also going to try and give a brief preview ahead to Brighton to come just after Christmas. Please don't go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Crackers, at half-time, we were all calling out for a substitution. We were wondering whether we'd be looking to bring Undembele on, but it was Christian Eriksen. And interestingly, that's the second time in eight matches in which Jose Mourinho has sacrificed Eric Dyer early for the day. And I mean, does it surprise you that he opted for Eriksen over Undembele? When, when I tell you that Undembele completed more take-ons than Spurs' front four combined against Chelsea, and he only was on the field for 24 minutes, did that midfield substitution surprise you? Ericsson on for Dyer? Well, I mean, is there something with Ndembele? Is he carrying an injury or is he not quite ready that he can do 45, that he can just do 20, 25 minutes? There's got to be some reason why he's not getting getting a, a, run, at, a run at this. Um, I don't know, perhaps medical science now at clubs, they can more or less pinpoint it. You know, he can do... 21 minutes can't do 23 minutes because he's in the red zone and what have you. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I think I think the game to be fair to Mourinho, I think the game did need an Ericsson and a and a good Ericsson performance might have just get opened us up a little bit to uh, to to get at them and. Um, but you know <laughs> that just never happened either, which was just sort of some some the day up, but. Yeah, it looked like it did need an Ericsson in there to try and magic something up. Um, so, yeah, maybe something's going on that we don't know with Ndembele and how many minutes he can play and he's thrown Ericsson in. As far as I'm concerned, if Ericsson's still a Spurs player, then play him. If he's, if he's set up for that sort of game, then you play him until he, until he goes. Or, you know, if Ndembele can play, play him in, instead, you know, if he can if he can play 90 minutes. So there must be some reasoning behind it. It's just uh, another another bizarre decision on the most bizarre of, of days, really. So, um, but yeah, Ericsson, like I said last, last week when I was on, is going to be a, a massive loss. I just really, really wish... He would stay, get his head back in the game with us, and and come back and be the Ericsson of a couple of seasons ago, because we just we seem to be massively, massively missing uh, Ericsson part one, and not this Ericsson part two that we currently seem to have with him. It's uh, yeah, there's got to be some, as I say, some reason why Ndombele didn't come on, and Ericsson did. I mean. Jace, just to bring you into that on Christian Eriksen, is it the fact those kind of results and performances in games like the Chelsea and Man United, which is probably part of the reason why he no longer wants to be at the club, he doesn't feel Tottenham can go on to the next level. Even with Mourinho there, he knows that there's such a big job ahead of him that maybe that's why Christian Eriksen does 
want to leave the club. I mean, interestingly, Jason, what did you make of that substitution? Only because with Ndombele, I mean, you've been on record saying that you've been really disappointed so far that Tsung Ndombele hasn't been able to adapt to the Premier League yet in terms of fitness because he's been here now, let's be honest, since August, so four or five months down the line. Since, since July, June. you're right. Yeah, since sorry, since yeah. June. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, in, uh, it was his first day of pre-season training with everyone else. Of course, I mean, I'm just saying the point that obviously he's not been playing regular foot, regular football. You'd say up to August when the season starts. That's where you hope to see from there onwards. You know, a consistent run of form. We haven't had it, but when you see the impact he did make, you know, completely more take-ons than our front four did in the space of 24 minutes. Should he have started that game? Or do you think at the moment, Mourinho doesn't seem he's fit enough to do it? No, I'm, I'm pretty certain it's down to fitness. You know, it was his, his, his first game back. Can he, and as Cracker said, he may well have been said, look, he can probably come on for 20, 30 minutes at the end. And ideally, if we're, we're in a situation where we're winning the game, he's the type of person that can home, come on and see it out. But, you know, let's be fair, Eric Dyer had to go off at half-time. Was, when you're 2-0 down, the, the Eric Dyer role becomes irrelevant, regardless. And even if Eric Dyer was, was excelling in that role, when most teams, when they're 2-0 down, it's the defensive midfield player that comes off. So, you know, of course he had to come off. And, and you can understand why he, he asks Ericsson to come on, because you feel that Ericsson should be the player. But the, the sad thing is, the Christian Ericsson in the last 12 months is no longer the, the player that he was before. And, you know, it's somebody up and he took a wide free kick that, I think reached about Shinai in the penalty area for everyone. And then he took one of his speciality corners that, that almost finished in the back of our net a few minutes later with Chelsea on the break. So, you know, sadly, you should be able to bring Christian Eriksen on to make an impact. But sadly, those impacts just don't happen with him anymore. And it's 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 the really sad thing. And I'd far sooner seen Sessignon on that bench. I don't know why Sessignon wasn't even on the bench today. I really don't. Or, or throw La Celso on or something. But let's be fair, I mean, we were a mess from all over the pitch. And I don't think just Christian Eriksen coming on, even if Christian Eriksen had been at his very best, I don't think he could have made up for the for the level of the, the other nine performances. It's just just a shocker from start to finish. Jace, I asked Crackers the question on Dyer last week, so I'm going to revert it back to you. I know you've always tried to give a fair analysis when it comes to Eric Dyer. Glynn at Atom Hart 1972 says, the question I've been asking for two years is, why is Eric Dyer still wearing a Spurs shirt? Should he or not the only one who thinks he should be in League One? Now, maybe that last part is fairly harsh. He's not a League One player. We know Eric Dyer is not a League One player. I think for me, I've always questioned whether he's just good enough now to get into a Tottenham team that is seriously looking to compete for the top honours in football, like the Champions League, like the Premier League. I've always had my reservations over Dyer. You've always been maybe of the opinion that he's never really had a midfield partner next to him that's allowed him to simply just focus on his job. And I just wonder, Jace, again with Dyer, is this blind loyalty and blind faith from Jose Mourinho or is he just looking to play him back into the form when we all looked at him and thought, yeah, this guy's a really good midfielder? No, I, I think he's trying to... Pro- to play him back into the form. We know that, that Mourinho's sides traditionally have somebody to play that role. Let's be fair, Nemanja Matic wasn't exactly the greatest footballer, was he, technically-wise? He was slow on the turn and things, but he did a job for Mourinho. And I think, you know, he wants Eric Dyer to do that job. But with, with in fairness to Mourinho, if he picks Winks, Winks doesn't play well enough. If he picks Dyer, Dyer doesn't play well enough. If he picks Ndombele, he's not fit and, and he's puffing after 30 minutes. If he picks Victor Wanyama, he won't even get through the warm-up. 
So, you know, it, it's very difficult, isn't it? Whoever he picks in those midfield roles, in the same way as whoever Pochettino is picking in them, nobody in there is really is really nailing the spot down, are they? They've all got their, their flaws that are so easy to see. So, you know, it, it's very easy to say, what's he still doing in the shirt? But who do you pick instead? And it's why I think, I honestly believe, despite all that's been said about money in January and that we won't be buying players, I'm sure he will try to buy somebody to fulfil that role. Until then, Eric Dyer's got another three or four games to prove he can get back that, that form. But at the moment, He's now starting to get the regular run of games, but his, impro- his performances aren't improving. Basically worrying, isn't it, on Eric Dyer? I think we'll have to see where that one goes on. But at the moment, you feel with Mourinho, he is going to keep on picking him. And, you know, it's one that well, is going to frustrate fans, isn't it? I mean, that's I mean, the truth. Well, that's the thing. If you think that, that over the next week or so, we've got three league games. Isn't Dombele going to be fit for all three of those league games, 90 minutes? Not a cat in hell's chance. Not a chance. No, of course not. Not a chance. So, you know, at some stage, it's got to be Winks and Sissoko. It's got to be Winks and Dyer, and it'll have to be Dyer and Sissoko or an Dombele. You haven't got a pairing that you can put in for those three games and say, they're my three. And if I if I need to drop Dyer, Victor Wenyama can come in the other one and he'll he'll keep that level of performance up. None of them will do it. So we'll still have the next three games, those same problems. And no matter how good Ndombele is, it's not going to solve that in the next week or so, is it? No, you're right. It's not going to solve it in the next week or so. But now we have to talk about the Hummin Son incident. One that, you know, as us, we've always been massive Hummin Son fans, but, you know, after we saw those tears at Goodison Park, and he promised, and even before that, I think he promised he would never get sent off again in a Spurs shirt. He's now been sent off for Spurs three times in just under nine months. Yes, one of those were overturned. He's now got the most red cards in 2019, and the most red cards of one player since 2010 in terms of being sent off in the Premier League. More than any other player. I mean, staggering. Son. You look at the guy and the way he is. He's just not that kind of character. But, you know... To discuss the incident, Crackers, you know, let's discuss it because Son kicked out at Rudiger's ribs after a heavy challenge from the defender. Yes, 100% Rudiger made a meal of it, which a lot of players tend to do these days. But I don't think Sonny can have any complaints or we can, can he? Because it was a ridiculous thing to do. Another thing that we were so frustrated on, another completely needless act from a Tottenham player. Poor judgment again, isn't it? Let's start with the Evan incident. That was... <clears throat> Really, very, very unfortunate. You could see that there was no intention with that and it was quite rightly overturned. Um, To concentrate on today's one, he can have absolutely no complaints whatsoever, nor can we. Um, I see some people on social media, including Ryan Mason, who said, you know, that's just, that's not a red card. Well, it is because the intention was there he kicked out of him. Now, he never caught him, but and Rudiger went down. Rudiger made the most of it. And fair play to him, because that's what players do. You, you try and get opponents sent off and get yourself to win. And, you know, it's what the Italians call clever play and, <laughs> and, and, and a little bit of dark arts. But make no mistake, the intention was there to kick Rudiger up under under the under the ribcage, and and that's why he got sent off. That's the laws, and that's what he got sent off for was the intention. And luckily for him, he didn't catch him because if he did, he could have done him some damage with a with a kick like that. Now I know Rudiger's 
giving him a little bit as he's gone down. Maybe partly he's given him some and in the challenge, but he has he has kicked out. And again, it's just like I don't I don't see Sonny as that type of, of, of player. But you know, today he was. It was just like another yet another incident, <laughs> just like a, a bizarreness. But that's happened today. It's just like. Wow, like you just wouldn't think he's got that in his locker, and he has. He he, he did have that today. It was just just weird. But the actual sending off, no complaints what whatsoever. And a- anybody that's trying to sort of defend it, then you just can't. It's just just indefensible. Why he's done it, I, I don't know. Why why lots of things happen today, I don't know. But it's a red card all day long, twice on a Sunday. It's just it was it was brainless. It was dangerous, and he and he deserved to go. Jace, just to bring you on that point, Mourinho after the game said Rudiger for sure is having scans in the hospital on his broken ribs. It was such a bad tackle. In my country, we say clever player. Why I fell in love with this country is because we don't call them clever players. Mourinho clearly defending Hummin Sodden, thinking that Rudiger played it up, which to be fair, he did. But Jace, I don't think we can really defend Sodden this one, can we? It looked like for me, a, a, a you know, it was definitely a red card, and it's a, a moment that Sonny really, you know. Is that just unfortunately just a moment of instinct where he doesn't mean to do it, but he's caught up in the emotion and his reaction is, as I just said, it's just needless to do it in a game that, let's be honest, at 2-0, we're still very much in that game. There's still a lot of time to play. One goal back in Chelsea, there would be nerves there, but Sonny really, with that sending off, it gives us absolutely no chance to get back into that game, doesn't it? No, well, I mean, to be complaining about Rudiger's reaction and, 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 and almost you know, complain about the dark arts. It was Mourinho that brought Diego Costa to English football. So let's be honest, Mourinho's teams have always been masters of the of the dark arts. So you, you can't cry wolf. And and if it had happened the other way round, you'd expect one of our players to do it. And and, and one of our players at some stage this season will will fake an injury in the same way. The thing is, don't give the player the opportunity to do it. And, you know, he, he reacted at Bournemouth. I think I was one of those that didn't really defend him at Everton and said I wouldn't have appealed the red card because whilst whilst to this day the Everton foul wasn't a bad foul, he'd got caught in the face, which he which he looked like he thought was deliberate. He didn't get the foul, did he, by Gomez? And two minutes later, he's tripping Gomez up with no intention of winning the ball and deliberately tripping him up. So, you know, I felt sorry for the injury that caused, and I'm not saying it was a red card, but it was still a petulant foul. And now he's now he's done another one. And I don't expect Mourinho to come out and, and slate him to the media afterwards, but I sincerely hope we speak to him tomorrow and say, look, it's no good keep sitting there crying in the dressing room. There's a problem here that we need to address with the, with the petulance of it. And, and it's just, you know, if you're going to get red cards, if somebody's clean through, like Burnley, for instance, like Sonny charging through against Burnley and you're the last man and you, you take him down, then then so be it. But to pick up such... Cheap, cheap red cards is is ridiculous, and he'll miss what? He'll miss three games now, and I, I yeah, he'll miss three games. Right, he'll miss the next three games. Yeah, he's got Christmas it. off, Jace. So he's got Christmas off. He's, well, he probably doesn't celebrate Christmas, but but he's you know probably the one person who's not fussed about it. But it's just it's let us down yet again. And as you say, any hope of a of a comeback, and I, I don't think it probably did affect it because let's be fair, in the first twenty minutes of the second half, there was no hint of a comeback. But any chance that we did have just went straight out the window at that point. 
He's got to learn from it. He really has got to learn from it. Yeah, he has got to learn, hasn't he? Because it's not the first time. And he promises Chase after that first time that he, he would never be sent off again. And subsequently since then, he's been sent off twice. Yes, yeah. one of them was rescinded. I don't get me don't get me away from that. But um, we had some questions in just on that sending off. And this is one for you, Crackers. Tantalising Tungy says, What's your stance on Son? Do you drop him and give him a behavioural course to teach him like we did with Aurea? Does he continue to play? Is he really cynical with a nice persona? That's the point. I mean, none of us know him personally. Perhaps he is a, a bit of a smiling assassin, really. He's, um, I don't know. It, it's very difficult for us to say because he comes across with all the, that smile on his face all the time and, and then the tears, like from when he does get sent off and the remorse and, and everything. But he does continue to, to do it. And I think Jason made a good point in that, that, that Everton sending off. There was that incident just before the unfortunate incident um, where it was, again, a petulance and a kick out. And, um, yeah, I mean, if we can't keep having that. And if there is a behavioural problem like that, then it needs to be addressed. But now we've got this uh, this brilliant manager um, <laughs> who's supposed to be out to deal with big players, then surely he's going to be able to find the right way forward to be able to 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 bring him bring him in from from what he, his behavioural issues if if they are there. I mean, we we had the similar thing, didn't we? Deli Ali when he got sent off in that European game, and we and Deli Ali played through it, and he's he's eventually got less less niggly in time, Deli Ali, and he's he's not so reactionary. Although there was a there was a little incident with him today, but but that shows you Deli Ali. He didn't actually do anything in that incident other than other than square up to somebody. Whereas the old Deli Ali would have perhaps done something. So it shows you you can you can manage it. I think the problem with Sonny that we'll we'll find. I don't think he's a smiling assassin or anything. I know he's he's nothing like that. But there's obviously a a short fuse. But the more it happens, the more other sides will play on it. And so you know you all right. He's, he's suspended now. I know, but. But Middlesbrough, for instance, which I think will be his first game back, they'll be saying, you know, just just give him a little sly dig. Give him a sly dig off the ball and see if you can get him to react. And and it will take time. And, and players, you know, when, when next time he goes into a thing, you'll you'll get somebody else who'll think, oh, I'll, I'll roll around the floor a few times and, and make it look a lot worse. And now he'll get a reputation where... Perhaps he, oh, he's a smiling post. Sonny wouldn't do that. But now referees will think, oh, that's, that's, that's him again. And so, you know, players will look to use everything to their advantage, won't they? And it wouldn't surprise me if in the next year he, he does get targeted and his temperament will be tested a lot more so than perhaps we realise it is at the moment. We say it's out of character, but the concern is because it's happening on quite a, a regular occurrence. And suddenly when it's the, the most in the Premier League in terms of this calendar year. That, that's a big, big worry for Tottenham. And it's one you feel with Mourinho that he will have to eradicate that from his game because we need Sonny in this team. And we actually had a question in, in terms of asking who is going to replace Son on that left-hand side whilst he's suspended. That's from Eldia Uncorrupted Soul. Jace, for you, who do you think will come in and replace Sonny for that position? It does open the door for, for maybe Sessignon to be seen, but it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he tries to play 4-3-3 with it. And he brings an Ericsson into the team or an Ndombele alongside alongside uh, Sissoko and, and, and Winks will probably get a game at some stage as well. And that he'll, he'll just go with the front three because 
you know, he can see that we're losing control of midfield as well. So it may, it maybe gives him a convenient way to to change his his tactics around without upsetting those players that he's brought in. But um, if he if he wants to keep the same shape, then surely that opens the door for for Sessignon to play. But we'll see. I mean, you know, part of it we see with Toby signing this week, maybe maybe he still does hold some hope of Ericsson being able to be persuaded and, and thinks, you know, I don't want to shut the door completely on him. But, you know, I hope it's not Ericsson that does come in, that's for sure. We'll have to wait and see definitely on that. Now, this is an incident that we never wanted to discuss. or we, we had, It's such a sensitive case, this, but we have to talk about the alleged racism that took place at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Now, it's worth pointing out firstly that there was quite a few tannoy announcements during that game. Now, obviously, this is an alleged racism towards Chelsea defender Rudiger. Now, before that, we saw fans throwing things on the pitch into the Chelsea six-yard box from the south stand. It looked like a cup of drinks or some kind which wasn't good at all. But that then followed the following announcements from the Tannoy, which was saying racist behaviour from spectators interfering with the game. Now, for me, there should be an absolute zero tolerance on this. And if you're in that stadium or you saw or heard anything racist, tell a steward and ensure they never return to a football match again because there is no place at all for racism in football. And I'm sure you boys are going to echo those sentiments. It's just, it's dark as it is to lose to Chelsea, but it's an even darker day when our football club, you know, when we're surrounded by a decent fan base for a minority with maybe talking one, two or three people to try and tarnish Tottenham Hotspur's reputation as a football club. It's simply not on, is it, Crackers? No, I I just want to caveat something I said at the start of the show when I said it was a brainless day all round. I said it was brainless on the pitch. It was brainless in the stands. That's what I was alluding to with this incident. But um, when I say brainless, let me just uh, caveat that, as I said, with against those people that carried out allegedly what's what's being alleged to to have happened and and racist incidents because it isn't everyone uh you know 99.99% of people can go to a game of football can have a bit of a swear and a bit of a cuss you know that happens but generally they're not they're not shouting racist abusive bigotry things you know and it just pals the game in, in significance. You know, what happened today on the pitch was terrible. What's happened off of it, allegedly, and if it's proven so, is a million times worse. There's just no place for it in the game. You know, it's... And I, I, I sort of alluded to what Gary Neville said, whereby, you know, we've just had this um, election... And there's been, it's been something that's, uh, the whole election's been surrounded by this racism debate and that whole thing. And I, I, make, I make Gary Neville right, actually. I think, you know, it just seems to be an empowerment of racism at the moment, uh, at all levels of society. And it just seems, and football's no different. It's just a reflection of general people in society. And people just seem to be lately able or feel empowered to say what they like but you can't you know and uh we we were speaking a little bit earlier before the show started when you you said like you know the whole ground's covered by cctv now there's no way you're getting away with anything lobbing stuff onto the pitch saying things but then 
you know, these are people of very, very low education. You know, you and I would think to yourself, well, we wouldn't do it anyway, but uh, and not at a football game because we know straight away you'll be pinpointed by like razor sharp CCTV and dealt with. But this is how stupid they are. You know, it's just like they, you should know you're going to get caught doing these things. But, you know, if you're dumb enough to not realise that, you're dumb enough to be racist and saying things and, and chucking things. And there just really is no place for it. And not a club like Spurs, because down the years, it's never been something that's been associated with the club. We've always been very, very progressive. I mean, even down to things like back in the old days of the 70s and 80s, even if you disagree with hooliganism, we always had hooligans, but we're West Indian lads and black lads where other clubs just never had that. I mean, you know, that's that's the level of inclusiveness that Spurs has sort of enjoyed down the years. But even our hooligans were integrated, you know. It's just like we've got a, a fantastic, um, you know, LGBT supporters group as well. We've always been really, really inclusive. So it really does hit home even harder when somebody in your club, like a club like Spurs, our club, you know, starts saying racist things. There's just no place for these people. Go go away. Go and do something else. We just don't want you at the club. Spawn Cracker, we don't want anyone of that mindset anywhere near our great football club tarnishing our name. And Jace, just to bring you into this, um, just to make it very, very clear that there was only one reported alleged racist incident. Now, just to be very clear, we are recording on Sunday night, so obviously that could be subject to being changed. We don't know. But just to be very clear that, as we understand it, there was only one reported alleged racist incident, which is bad enough. And free stadium announcements, as that is what the club were told by the Premier League protocol. There was one in the 74th, the 83rd and the 93rd minute. So just to be very clear, there was only one incident, but as standard Premier League protocol, it was being obviously tannoyed across the stadium that racist behaviour from spectators is interfering with the game. I mean, Jace, as Crack has eloquently put it there, there is absolutely no place for that in football. No, and as, as you say, it's, it's come from a fan base that that's always stood up against it, and hence why we have the the why word debate and and how we've we've reclaimed it as as a as a as a way of being against racism. So you know, of all the clubs for it to happen to, we highlight it at, at Chelsea more so than at any other club. And it's, it's pot and kettle tonight, isn't it? There's, you're right, there's no place. And similarly, don't throw things at opposition players. You know, we had it with a bottle incident at Woolwich last year, thrown at Delhi Alley, and we were up in arms about it. And today we're throwing, throwing, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a cup of water or anything. You don't go to football to throw things at opposition players either. It's, it's absolutely moronic behaviour and mirrored what so much of the the chaos was going on on the pitch. And, you know, tomorrow morning, it's going to be a tough read for everyone, isn't it? It's going to be uh, some awful reports about Tottenham on the pitch, and then we'll have incidents written about us off the pitch. And, you know, with the incident last year with Alabama Yang that was was horrendous, wasn't it? Let's be honest, there's no excuse for that, whether it's Arsenal or not. So we'll, we'll start to get a reputation of ourselves, and, and it's, it's ridiculous. And then everyone will jump on the Y word and, and it becomes an even bigger incident. So no, there's absolutely no place for it in society and certainly not in a football ground, that's for sure. 
spot on. And just after the game, Jose Munoz said, I'm disappointed that things like that can still happen. But the referee stopped the game. He spoke to the players. He spoke to the captains. He spoke with the coaches. I was losing. I didn't want the game to be stopped. But immediately when I knew the reason why it was stopped, I obviously understood and accepted it. The club is also a very proud club in this kind of situation. And the club also internally will try and delete it. Now, we know Spurs have put out a statement on the back of that incident. They won't tolerate any form of racism. And we stand with that, of course. We have to eradicate that from football. I can't believe it should not be coming up at football. It's completely unacceptable. And let's hope we can try and drive that out of this game because it's creeping its way back in and it is simply unacceptable. Now, to try and focus on maybe one or two positives of the game, there wasn't many, as we know. One of them was the performance, Jace, that you mentioned of Davinson Sanchez. And to be fair, Crackers, coming around to you, he really is starting to shine now with a regular run of games. And look, the real force in that centre-back pair alongside Toby Adavira. Do you mean, do you think with Sanchez, we've got a player there that hopefully will be our centre-back for many, many years to come? Yeah, uh, exactly. And if you can shine... On a day like today, you know, it's almost pure everyone all around <laughs> you are, are not. Um, then, yeah, it's. I, I think that shows the level he's beginning to aspire to and beginning to achieve. Um, it was he could have quite easily just fallen over with everybody else, but he's kept it. He's kept his head today. He's. He put in a he put in a fair performance on what was a, a, a dismal day, and you know that's doubly impressive given what what was happening around him as well. So um, I remember when he came, um, a lot of Ajax fans, and you know they, they know their onions. They know a good young player, man alive. They put some through down the years at that club, and they were all saying how gutted they was to lose him and uh, that, you know, it really hurt that he'd, he'd gone and sort of good luck at, at Spurs. So they're, they're a good judge of a young player at Ajax, the fans there. And uh, you could just see from the level of like, uh, you know, how upset they was, he was gone, what what he could go on to, to become. And, you know, he's still just a kid, but he's at such a unit and he was, yeah, he was, he was one small positive today on 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 a terrible day. So, uh, yeah, that that yeah, gives gives us a little bit of hope. I agree totally, and I think also with Tungun Dembele we spoke about earlier, two of the players that really out of that game came away with any shred of credit. Now we are going to go for one final break, and then we are going to look ahead to Brighton to come for Tottenham Hotspur on Boxing Day. Games come thick and fast, as we know, during this Christmas period. And to start with you, Jace, Brighton at the moment, they're 13th in the Premier League, played 18, won 5. To be fair, under Graham Potter, they have seen, I think, an, an upturn in, in their form. I think they've played well under him since he's been there. I mean, what kind of game are we going to expect? You know, we saw, you know, the real end to Maurizio Pochettino's reign for me, I think, at that Brighton game. Bringing them back to White Hart Lane, that stadium. We need to see a reaction now, don't we, at home? Well, we certainly need to see a reaction in all sorts of ways. We needed a reaction at Brighton after the Bayern debacle and we didn't get one. Uh, we need a reaction because of the Chelsea debacle and we we need a reaction because of how poor we were at, at Brighton in the first place. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of reasons to demand a reaction. I think we'll get one, but only if we... We, we keep our marbles about us because if we continue to make some of the errors that we make today, then Brighton will beat us. It's as simple as that. You, you, 
you know, we've got to have a little bit more composure to our play. And if we do that, our quality should see you through. But no matter how much quality you've got in your team, if you if you make such brainless decisions, you'll get punished for them. And Brighton, I saw their game at Palace on Monday. For 75 minutes, Brighton played some excellent football but couldn't get the second goal. And then it showed you there's still areas for Brighton to be concerned because Palace went at them for 15 minutes and ended up could quite easily have won the game. So, you know, hopefully we, we take a note from that. But as I say, it's, it's, it's about our attitude and about our heads. And if our attitude's right and our heads are right, I totally think we'll beat Brighton and we'll, we'll, we'll be comfortable in the game. But, but if we make the stupid mistakes, Brighton are still a good enough side to, to punish us for them. And just also, Crackers, in terms of that top four battle now, great opportunity for Tottenham they had against Chelsea to actually go into the top four over Christmas. With that gap now going back to six points, is this now a must-win game for Tottenham? Do you put that much emphasis on it? Because Spurs, you look at that table, they can't really afford to get any bigger than those six points. Can they over this Christmas period? No, not not at all. And as you say, like Brighton have got uh, Graham Potter in the dugout after today's performance. I think we might need uh, Harry Potter in our uh, dugout. Certainly, uh, <laughs> so cut the spells for some of these defenders to go away, didn't we? Yeah. Or some kind of magic uh, in the window. Uh, yeah, there's there's got to be a, a reaction on Boxing Day, and it's got to be a big reaction. It's got to be three points uh, that game and and you know as i said the norwich game as well we've got to got to go and win that we've got to go there and win that and we've got to take night the next the next nine points we've got to take nine out of nine to keep us keep us in touch or else you know anything anything less even one of those ending up a draw and not a win forget it we have got to pull nine points and we've just got to find a bit of traction put today behind us uh, get a few wins and then go into like the, the bigger games. You know, it's all very well skittling over teams like Brighton, teams like Norwich. It's when we get into these games like City and Liverpool and Arsenal and Chelsea, we've got to start getting something from these games. So nine points is an absolute must. Can we, uh, and- Just on your point there, with this group of players, can we win these games? Because a lot of emphasis was on Mourinho coming in and being the man to be able to get Tottenham over the line in those big games, in those big pivotal moments. Do you think the squad he's got at the moment, is it good enough for him to pick from and get results in the big games? And that's not me defending him, because let's be honest about it, the two tests he's had so far, as we've said, Man United and Chelsea, we simply haven't turned up. It'd be difficult, it would be different if we've played well and we've got beat. We haven't played well in either game. So can he get enough out of this squad in those big games like you mentioned? Well, I think I think we've got enough to be able to win one or two of those games at home and draw some of those big games away. That's that would be a start to even nick some draws in those in those games. Like go go and play for a draw, get a draw. I mean, that's something to to build off because if we can skittle some of the teams mid table and below home and away, and then Nick, you know, a couple of wins against the, the other sort of top four incumbents at home and draws away. That should see you into the top four for the next season and go again and, and build from that. So, I mean, let's just hope put like City away or Liverpool away or Arsenal away. Go and get a draw at least to start with. Don't play for a draw, obviously. Play for the win. But, you know, if you're under the cosh, 
at least manage a game out and get even a nil-nil draw. It's something, you know, rather than just getting skittled all the time and looking looking listless. So small steps. If we can take some small steps like that and do that, then then we get top four again and we can we can start enjoying a bit of Tuesday, Wednesday night football, you know, because as it stands at the moment, it's looking like the Emmerdale Cup again for next season. And who wants that? No, you don't. You certainly don't want the Emmerdale Cup. I was just going to say, Rick, the crazy thing is we have drawn at Arsenal well, we have drawn at City. This yeah, year. I, mean, I mean, that's the point, isn't it? It's you know, a but... home form, you know, losing at home to, to Newcastle and dropping points at home to Sheffield United and Watford and, and today, you know, that's what's killing us at the moment. It's our home form, really. I agree, but do you think also there's a case, Jace, that you know, for us to be able to get into that top four, we have to get you know wins against these big sides. We've always seen you know to get into that top four, you do need a couple of you know big results against the big teams, and you just wonder at the moment because of the mentality of this team. For me, it is a lot to do with the weak-minded mentality, and we've discussed it often on this show. You know, the errors you know with these players, and it's continuous we're not talking about one or two we're talking about continuous errors by a lot of the same players and that's the problem where can we get some of these out of our club but Jace do you back us to bounce back against Brighton and what is your prediction well as I say I think if we play with our heads then then I do expect us to beat Brighton and I'm I'm hopeful that we'll play with our heads but you just can't guarantee it these days can you but I mean you look at our fixtures we've got what Brighton at home Norwich away uh, Southampton away and Chelsea have actually got a very similar run they've got Southampton at home but they've got Brighton away in those next three games so the, the difference is that they go to Woolwich and we go to Norwich on the in the middle fixture so and then we've got Liverpool after that so we over those three games we've got to finish those three games closer to Chelsea than we have now because as you say going into a, a big game against Liverpool you can't back us to get anything from it at the moment I agree Crackers can we have a prediction before we let you go Ahead of this big game against Brighton. <laughs> Go for um, Okay. Uh, yeah, Tot- Tottenham. Tottenham to get their their themselves together. Um, bounce back. Three um, 0 uh, Go on. I'm going three 0 I'm going bold. That's, that is bold, Crackers, considering we're only recording hours after that defeat to Chelsea. He's going 3 0 I'm actually going to go for 2-1 Spurs. I think we will beat Brighton. And to be fair, let's just say, you know, for us, hours after that performance, to try and pick out a Brighton win, you know, we, we, we seem to be doing OK on the back of that. But let, let's be honest about it. Um, crackers, thank you for coming back on twice in a week. We're humbled and honoured. And especially after a defeat like that, thank you ever so much for coming back on tonight, Crackers. Uh, thank you for asking me back on. Uh, I have to say, I watched the game from uh, my home in Lanzarote, but I could smell—I could smell Spurs even here today. They stunk <laughs> that much. <laughs> they did, they did. And Jace, as always, they came back on. Was you as honest as you wanted to be, Jace? I was. It was a tough show, isn't it? Because you know people listen to it and think it's just a, a moanathon throughout. But I think every single fan will have sat there and, and gone home in in this type of mood. There, there wasn't any positive. The only positive was the final whistle. When? To, to end the misery, it was it was shocking today. But hopefully we get our, our, our mojo back and, and get on a run now, and and he can make the changes. I, I just hope in January he's given the chance to make the changes that that I might not want to see, but that he needs to make to get Tottenham back to to winning games and getting some consistent form again because it's it's not good enough at the moment and it's it's alarming. And hopefully, come the end of the season, we'll look back and think. Maybe this was the day that it finally dawned on 
on the board the things that we can't just keep limping along like this and that those changes have got to be done and it's it's not just managerial changes that's needed. On that case you say there, Jace, that Toby Adavio would not have committed his future to the club for another three and a half years if he didn't feel that the mentality inside of it was going to change. So we all know there's a job to do in terms of those transfer windows coming up. All joking aside, Jason, I know we laugh about the transfer window, but there is a lot of work to do. We are going to be back for the game against Brighton afterwards to look back on that. Don't worry, we're going nowhere over this Christmas period. We want to take this opportunity again to wish you a very Merry Christmas, but we're not going anywhere. Thank you again. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Keep that faith. Decimos no al racismo. Ney, deja racismo. Nein, to racismo. No, no racismo. No, al racismo. No, to racism. Podcast Network.